0: Let's see what the stew has for us today.
1: Welcome to the GnomeCast the Gnome Stew's Tabletop Gaming Advice Podcast. Here we talk with the other gnomes about gaming things to avoid becoming part of the stew, so I guess we'd better be good. This episode is brought to you by awesome Patreon backers like the stupendous Stew Skeel, the judicious John Custers, and the captivating Craig Dedrick. Today we have myself, Ange, along with Jared and Senda, and today we're going to talk about journaling and gaming. Before we dive into that main topic, though, let's ask our get-to-know-a-gnome question. Today, that question is, what is the oldest physical character sheet or character artifact that you have, and how much do you remember about that character? Senda, I'm going to start with you. Okay, I don't know if that's a good idea, because I remember (laughs) a lot about my character. It's my
2: first character ever, and... Her name is Chelsea Oak Jumper, and I have all of her character sheets because I filled out a new one every time I leveled up.
1: <laughs> was so she I have. A maybe not
2: every time, but like there's a variety of them because we played this campaign for like two years, and so they got worn out, and so I would switch to a new character sheet sometimes when I leveled up. But yes, she was a Kender. <laughs> Why do you ask? <laughs> was it the name that was a giveaway? <laughs> it was the name and your enthusiasm. Yes. <laughs> well. <laughs> Shelsey Oak Jumper is the reason that I know a lot of things about playing a Kender at a table without being the obnoxious person that people don't want to play with. Because I didn't know that at first, and I <laughs> learned it by doing it, and my group survived it mostly. <laughs> there was a couple people that we had some moments, right? But you communicate at the table and then
1: you fix things. Yeah. You know, that could actually be another topic for a future Gnomecast, is like, how to play the obnoxious character and not make everyone hate you.
2: Yeah, it's actually something that we talked about on Pandas Talking Games for a whole episode, because somebody (laughs) specifically asked, how do you play Kendra without, like, making everyone hate you? And I do have some opinions about, because it's not just Kendra, right? Like, there's a whole Mm -hmm. series of stereotypes of characters that people are like, oh, you're going to play one of those. And it's like, Oh yeah. Yeah. And so like there's there there is a thing about like not using the type of character that you're playing as an excuse to be an asshole. <laughs> like, that's just in summary,
1: but we could absolutely, you know, like talk about that sometime and be great. Yeah. Well we'll put that on the we'll put that on the list for the future. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Short version. Don't use your character sheet as an excuse to be an asshole. Good. Yeah, that that's that's that's, that's what that's what I got. She was great. I still love her. (laughs) How about you, Jared?
0: So I have kind of a cheat. One, I don't have a character sheet. So Artifact I uh, used to say when was the first time I mentioned them on my blog, since I've been blogging for a while. So I have two runners up. One is when I was playing Beast in a Marvel Heroic game. And I bring that up because I played him multiple times. It wasn't just one time. And I dearly, dearly love Beast. And I literally looked up as many, like, quotes from, you know, like, poetry and and literature and stuff so that I could just throw out stuff the same way that Beast would do that, like, in the X-Men animated series. And, you know, it's it's kind of a a cop-out, but I just love Beast so much that I, I wanted to do him justice when I was playing the character at that point in time, so... But sorry, the... I
2: have a question. Uh-huh. So do you actually have an artifact of the list of all the quotes that you looked up? Because oh that would gosh. be amazing. I need, to, I, need to,
0: I need to see if I still have that, because I still have the pre-gen beast that I right. use, but I need to look and see if I still have that, that list, because be cool. that, was, that, was, that was fun. <laughs> it, was, it was a lot of fun looking that up.
1: Yeah, that, that's fun stuff. I'm so sorry. Please carry on. <laughs> oh, no,
0: that's, that's good. The other one, which is funny, because when you're talking about playing uh, characters that are potentially annoying... The other long running one that I talked about on my blog way back in 2012 was for the playtest of Edge of the Empire, I made a Gand. And if for anyone that doesn't know what a Gand is, a Gand is if you ever saw the bounty hunter Zuckus who had the bug head with the really big eyes. Yeah. That was he was a Gand. But in Star Wars, unless a Gand has done something that is noteworthy, they don't have their own name. So oh <laughs> my Gand was Gand. Gand was an accountant that was trying to make enough money for his family to move up in class. So until he made <laughs> enough money to help out his family, he was named Gand.
2: Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wow.
0: I had a lot of fun with Gand, but yes, I was also reading the <laughs> table a lot for like when I would really get into because when a Gand doesn't have their own name, they refer to themselves in the third person, and I was, you know, really playing into all of that stuff and it was, it was a lot of fun, but it was also a lot of reading the table to make sure I'm not pushing this too far because, mm-hmm. you know, Gan being Gan. It's kind of, it's the warlock problem from New Mutants sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> self says, self friend. Yeah,
1: the shtick can be cute for a little while, but if it becomes the, like, the only facet of the character, mm-hmm. it gets exhausting.
0: So what about you, and?
1: So actual physical paper copies, I'm not sure if it's Kiana or Jenshanna. Kiana is actually the very first character I ever made in 3.0. She was a ranger. I may have a copy of her somewhere, but I think physical oldest copy is probably Jenshanna, who originally was uh, Eberron, Kalashtar... We had a mishmash of the psionic classes on her. (laughs) We actually have recently revived that campaign, and I remade her as a sword dancer wizard, uh, Mm. which is working out to be a lot of fun. But it was like, you know, that's the physical oldest piece of paper I can find. (laughs) But a couple of years ago, my GM from the 1980s basically sent me a scan of a character sheet he found of mine. I don't know when this was. I know her name was Efa, although I guarantee you as a teenager in the 80s I didn't pronounce it that way. But who knows how you did. Yeah. Yeah. She was apparently a half elf acrobat. Wow. Yeah, and and this character sheet is something else. It's the armory character sheet by df cole wow like in in typewriter font at the top of the page is what that says and like i don't understand anything on this sheet at all i don't remember (laughs) this character at all but i recognize this handwriting is mine it's yours
2: i mean it's funny because you talk about physical stuff and i know that i actually have all of shelsey's character sheets But I also have like an entire collection of art that I did at the time (laughs) that was like both Chelsea and the crew that I ran with, which I, I don't remember all of the other characters names. But I do remember the wizard was Gowan because there was this instance where like he was like he showed it to someone and they were like, oh, yeah. Gowen, and they were and he was like it's actually pronounced Gaud. Like, <laughs> cuz he had a power trip thing happening cuz it was all of our first game like you know. Once you have fireball I figure you can just call yourself god it's pretty much you I, know.
0: And I don't know that you can associate with that feeling is that something that you understand?
1: <laughs>
0: this is going this to is be a now a, problem. This is going to be a now problem. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this is a now problem. Yeah, we we were, we were in John's campaign. We were at a scene where we were witnessing, we were kind of hidden and witnessing some bugbears and some ogres and a, a giant doing a thing. And Jared, our barbarian, and John Carney, our paladin, are debating whether or not we need to get involved in this. And from behind them, my tabaxi wizard cast a fireball on the whole thing. <laughs> like you do. I mean...
2: This is a now problem. <laughs> I mean, it's sort of you know a wizard
1: D and D thing. <laughs> anyway, let's get into the Moving main topic. Right last <laughs> so a while back, we did an episode talking about doing stuff related to gaming outside of actual gaming at the table, and in that episode, we mentioned journaling. And since Senda and Jared have both been doing a fair amount of journaling. Related to gaming, I thought we'd get together and talk about that whole concept. It, 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 both of you are doing it in different ways, because, Senda, you're actually playing a solo journaling RPG, whereas, Jared, you're journaling from the perspective of your character mm-hmm. for our campaign. And those are, those are both awesome things, <laughs> but also very different. Yes. So, Senda, tell us about <laughs> your game.
2: Um, well, so the game that I've been playing recently, and it actually, as of the date of this recording, the last day was actually yesterday. Um, so we just finished, and I, I kind of <laughs> am like now like chomping at the bit for a bunch of Kickstarters that I backed that are also <laughs> journaling solo play games. But we'll get there. Um, I'm sure that I can fill in the gaps in the meantime. Um, so the game that I've been playing is uh, a game by Jian Shim and Yin Core called Field Guide to Memory which if you're on Twitter, you may have like noticed because (laughs) a lot of us were playing it and we were playing it all at the same time, which was like a a key function of this particular game. Although, of course, you can go back and play it, um, you know, once they release just the PDF version. But so this game in particular, like journaling games have certainly existed for a while. And actually games like this have existed for a while, but these two very smartly came up with some really good words to describe the specific type of play experience that they were creating, which I think are very cool and very useful. So this particular game is then, I would I would call in their terms, which like <laughs> I said, I think are good, is a, a keepsake game and a connected path game. And those are two different but related words. And the first one I think is the, the really key part because that's the part that will continue after this first initial experience. So keepsake in that, It's a journaling game that encourages you to journal, not just for the sake of journaling, but for the sake of creating an artifact that you like, that is the journal of the experience, but that is also like something you could hand to someone else and they could flip through, right? And it's really cool from the perspective that it engaged me from the gaming perspective of journaling, which I really enjoy, because solo journaling games with prompts and stuff are a really cool way in my opinion to be introspective while being escapist at the Mm -hmm. same time right because sometimes it's easier to approach your own feelings through the lens of someone else because then you don't have to come on them directly you can sneak on them up on them from the side like you you know creeping around through the underbrush (laughs) and like pounce on them um Stealth introspection. Yeah, it's kind of like that,
0: right? And sneak attack, so, there's like...
2: Exactly! It's, <laughs> so it's a really interesting thing, right? Because it allows you to kind of dip into as much or as little introspection as you want while still engaging it as an escapist gaming experience, which is just a thing that I just... I So I really enjoy doing it, right? Because I like giving myself the feels, and I like having the feels of a table full of people. Well, you know what? I am pretty effective at giving myself feels, too. Like... <laughs> I just am and i'm I'm sorry sorry. it's great (laughs) so but the other two pieces of that for this particular game um which has just been an absolute joy is that uh so this is a keepsake game which means that it's engaging my creativity on um on a physical level and that like i have i have this journal now and when i say i have this journal i mean it is full of not just the ephemera that they sent out with the game, which it definitely has all of that in it, but also like photos that I have previously taken of similar locales so that I can be like, yes, and this was a picture of when we were in this place from my particular character's perspective. I made stationery for the museum that she worked for so that when I was writing letters, I could type it up on that stationery and then print it out and it would look like a letter that was written that way. And that's how I was keeping my my letter writing stuff separate from like the diary parts of the journaling, it was really delightful, and I have acquired so much more stationary stuff because it's been um <laughs> not just a character building and storytelling experience but then also an artistic and creative experience and then the third part is that I am left with this really fantastic physical artifact that because and I wrote an article about this right <laughs> about like your tools that you use to engage with the game when you play it and how they can. Really affect how much devotion you give to it, so mm-hmm. I spent like way too long picking
1: out my supplies for this game, right I remember I believe when we recorded the episode where we mentioned yes. journaling yeah. you were in the process of choosing yes your journal that you were going to use for this game <laughs> yes so and it's great, um and it's very full, like <laughs> it is
2: not flat right um and and what that did is it the third dimension for me of this particular game. In the artifact part, is that I've come away with something that I like that I made that was all of this creativity, that's all the storytelling stuff. And it's also a physical object that I can touch and interact with and look at. And I like the way the cover feels, and the pages are soft, and it's been delightful to write on, and like all of this stuff, right? So it was very easy for me to fall all the way in on this game because it was scratching all of the itches
1: <laughs> all at
2: the same time, which was delightful. And yeah, it was really cool. And and the thing that was super cool about this particular experience and doing it as part of their Kickstarter is that they didn't just release the game and then everybody like picked it up and played through it or whatever at their own pace. I mean, everybody played at their own pace, but what they did is they actually set up an email program so that they sent out one journaling prompt a day, right? So, what that meant was everybody who was in on the Kickstarter we were all getting the prompts and the information to do them at the same time over the course of a month,
1: right that That's a really interesting way to like like take a very solo personal experience and make it communal. It was really amazing,
2: so this is the other terminology that they came up with, which I think is really beautiful, and um it's connected path games mm-hmm. because what we're doing is we're playing alone as a community, right. And and it which is like journaling as escapist introspection, <laughs> like it's a whole bundle of things that sound as if they are opposites from each other, but in fact, work really beautifully together. It was really amazing. Basically, every day on Twitter, I was checking the field guide to memory tag. I was posting my pages and then I was like scrolling through the tag and like reading what everybody else's characters reactions and stuff were because we're all living the same story mm-hmm. as the main character of the story. But with very different characters, everybody's having a very different experience. It was really beautiful. It was really amazing because it was both alone and not alone. And it was both out of character and in character, right? Like it had a lot of beautiful pieces to it. And I think with journaling in particular, I think those are a lot of its strengths because it's such a personal activity mm-hmm. that it can be, I don't know, it, just, it, it can be so much of whatever you want want it to be. Anyway, I enjoyed the experience so much that basically what I'm doing is I'm like, oh, I'm I'm hunting through um there's a whole bundle of games on Itch right now called Solo but not alone and I'm like digging through it for more journaling games because I want to set up a similar experience just with like people that I know and be like, look, Mm -hmm. we're gonna play this game and we're gonna start on this date. Everybody buy a journal. Let's go (laughs) because I think that we can, you know, we can recreate at least some of the like connected path part which was a really, that part was a truly different experience from other journaling games that I've done solo, because I have done, you know, other games before solo, really enjoyed them, had the escapist introspection part, hadn't had a connected path feeling like this before, and hadn't ended up with a game that had intentionally created keepsakes like this. I actually have, um, I've taken solo games that I have played, and the result of that game, and then taken that and turned it into a keepsake very intentionally but the intention of the game wasn't to necessarily create a keepsake in that way if that makes sense so for me this was like written to do all the stuff i just wanted it to do i don't know i could just keep singing its praises for a long time and i will say i don't know exactly when this show will drop but there are two more games that if all of the words coming out of my mouth sounded great if they're still on Kickstarter, you need to look them up in a now kind of way. And it's uh, Jian Shim has um, The Last Will and Testament of Gideon Blythe, which is going to be another journaling keepsake game, which looks super cool. And Shin um, Yin Core has Amending, which is a keepsake game in which you are traveling to visit a friend, but you're stitching your path. You're actually sewing your path into like a kerchief. So when you're Ooh. done you actually have, like, a wearable kerchief piece that you can use however you would use a kerchief, which is just like, oh, man. I'd... So, this <laughs> wow. episode
1: is supposed to drop on <laughs> March 18th. I don't know if they'll still be up or not, but boy, if they are, I think amending might still be up.
2: You might have missed the last and testament of Gideon Blythe. I'm not sure, but you should check. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so taking uh taking a look at it from the other perspective of basically you're playing a normal you know rpg you know where you, know, you got a bunch of people at the t- at the table you know we're all through zoom right now but <laughs> a bunch of people at the table and then you have one player who is journaling from their character's perspective <laughs> jared can you tell us about nagarot's journal because i love it so much i
0: was I was uh, for a second I thought you were going to say you're playing a normal character, and I was going to say you're not talking about Nagarat. That's a... <laughs> no,
1: no. I, I don't think any of the characters in in oh, our no. game are normal we are characters. Very unique.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so part of my thought process on what I'm doing, and just to um, just so everybody knows, I am keeping a journal. We uh, John Arcadian, one of our head gnomes, is running a game of Storm King's Thunder in fifth edition D and D and and I are both in that game and I am keeping a journal of that game from the perspective of my character Nagrat, and I have entitled this journal Nagrath's Guide to Storm King's Thunder in part because I want this to kind of feel like you know all of the all of the 5th edition things so far have been like Tasha's Cauldron of Everything or you know Volo's Guide to to Monsters or whatever so I I was kind of playing with that that same naming convention but what inspired me to do this is the reason I love the Forgotten Realms. And don't worry, don't, don't turn off the, the podcast. This, <laughs> <laughs> the, um, what initially caught me, though, in the oldest products is they are not written as a setting that is just, this is the setting, here are the stats, these are the things going on. If you read the oldest products, they're actually written as, here's what you might see if you go to this place. And then there's Elminster's entry, which is not actually meant to be accurate. It's just from his perspective where he's saying, you know what, this part isn't true, this part may be true, who knows about this. And it's all his perspective on a location. And then there might be game rules as a third part of that entry. So there's actually a lot of in-character perception of things. It's not just, oh, this is a great country. It's more like, you know, you get some of his snide asides where it's like, Yeah, they have lots of law and order, and also these people don't have their voices being heard. You know, you get a lot of that kind of aspect to the commentary for the individual entries. And where we're playing in Storm King's Thunder is an area that was originally called Savage Frontier. Janelle Jacques, who is a long-standing figure in D&D, wrote a Forgotten Realms supplement called Savage Frontier. And Janelle did something that nobody else in the realms really ever picked up on, which is her perspective character wasn't Elminster. She had a different sage from that area that was commenting. And that sage had their friend who was like a very, um, the sage was kind of very much their head in the clouds. Their friend was kind of this like a uh, grounded, you know, wor- you know, mercenary type. And that gave you a much different perspective than when you read Elminster's entries. And I really wish more people would have done that. So that's what I wanted to do with Nagrat. I wanted to give the perspective of my character on this adventure, you know, add some detail to things without necessarily those things being true, but they are true from Nagrat's point of view. Nagrat is an Uthgart barbarian.
1: <laughs> I love him so much. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he is an Uthgart barbarian who was actually a furbolg which is a, you know, related to giants and also kind of a fae, you know, sort of ancestry. But he was raised by Uthgart Barbarians. So he's kind of between different worlds trying to find his place in everything. And so he's very fascinated with giant history. And one of the other things that I wanted to get across here is Nagrat has an intelligence of 10. He's not stupid and he is a barbarian. So I wanted to show that Someone with an intelligence of 10 isn't dumb. Like, you can be knowledgeable about certain things. You're not knowledgeable about everything, but you can be very focused on certain things. And one of the things that I like doing is, every so often in that book, is I'm trying to rope in the perspectives of the other characters. So even if I get a chance in-game, I will try and ask some of the other players their thoughts on things so that then I can put those things through what Nagrat heard back into the journal. And anytime Nagrot sounds too smart, I will throw it off and say that Angel's character sapphire helped me write that part. Because <laughs> <laughs> she is a, a librarian uh tabaxi wizard. And
1: I I'm I'm a librarian cat. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. The best. Anyway, yeah. carrying on. <laughs> oh yeah, but
0: we have all of these, like all these sidebars will be what I I've been putting in just like the actual journal of what we've, what we do, like this is what we did on the adventure, but I don't play up the fighting parts or the, you know, the, the action parts, because that's the part that's exciting at the table. What I'm putting in there is what was Nagraat thinking before this thing happened? What was Nagraat thinking after this thing happened? Because I noticed in a lot of games, other players will assume what somebody, what somebody's character was thinking or feeling. But they're often thinking about that based on stereotypes or archetypes.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, surely they just wanted to get in there and murder this person because they were a barbarian. It's like, mm, no, that's not really what was on my mind at that point in time. And so I wanted to capture that perspective. But I also have I've put in sidebars that look really important, but they're just Nagrot going off on completely bizarre tangents of things that happened <laughs> to annoy him at one point or another.
1: <laughs> it's actually been absolutely, like it's been wonderful having those come out for the game. And I think it's actually helped all of the play. Cause like Jared has been sharing it with the group. And so we get the, the update to Nagarat's journal. It gives us one, a recap of what happened, you know? So you, we come back into the game, you know, not going, uh, where did we park? You know, <laughs> where we actually, you know, we actually have an understanding of where we were and what we did. But I think it's also helped kind of forge bonds between the characters because everyone's like, oh, this is this is a thing. And it helps kind of foster that sense in an odd way. It helps foster that sense of camaraderie between the characters in the game that would probably be a little stiffer and not quite fully there yet for everyone, because We've got a mix of uh we've got a mix of experienced players and newer players and like half of us know each other like the two halves of the group I think like <laughs> like half of us know each other and the other half knows themselves and like this is the first time that this particular group of 6 is getting together to play together. So
0: yeah, a lot of what I've been trying to do is when you're playing there are those times when you make those one-off comments that are like you know, somebody said this and you make this reply. And it could just be like banter in game between two players. But I've been trying to take notes of that and make sure to play that up in the journal as that's those two characters sharing this thing. And instead of just forgetting that that banter happened, that's now like we've been talking about, that's now an artifact. That is something that those two characters shared. And on, I do, I, I agree. And I think a lot of that has kind of created this like, once that's in the journal, and those two made this joke with each other, that's a joke those two share, and it becomes like yeah. this thing that they refer back to, and Zodro <laughs> <rock> and mountains
2: <laughs> so i mean it it sounds like to me that like you're translating having the job of the person who takes the notes <laughs> into a really cool out of game experience that you get to keep doing in character that actually creates the opportunity for other people in the game to continue to build relationships because Mm -hmm. you're doing the relationship thinking and journaling and in-character stuff outside the game.
0: Mm -hmm. And and it's not trying to manufacture relationships, but it's trying to... Those things that sometimes fade, especially in a more traditional game where sometimes, you know, once you get into a fight, it's easy to forget that bonding moment that you had. I'm trying to Mm -hmm. cement those bonding moments. Between yeah. the fights.
2: Well, and, it, and just the fact that you're doing it and then everybody's experiencing it on the readback gives everybody the opportunity to engage in those relationships again because they're like, oh, yeah, we did that thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or to engage, or for you to engage with other characters from your relationship because your character, you're like, okay, well, I need to make sure that I figure out this thing so I'm going to ask somebody about it so I can write it down later. like,
0: Yeah, and another thing that strikes me, this has happened in a lot of, especially like in D&D games, where when two people are friends and they kind of joke around because one of them screwed up, that's a thing that happens between two friends. But sometimes in a and d game, it starts making it sound like, oh, haha, I'm making fun of you because you failed. And I also kind of want that reinforced, like, no, we're all friends. We're not doing this to put one another down. This is that kind of shared camaraderie where we're kind of making these comments about, This is the kind of thing that you always do in these situations, and I should have expected this, and yeah. (laughs) So that it feels more like friendship than it does just one-upmanship.
1: Yeah. And it's, like I said, it's really helped with, you know, this mixed group of players we've got. Where, like, I have never met the other three players we've got in the game, but I feel like I know their characters at this point.
0: (laughs) Every time we talk about any kind of intoxicant, and all of a sudden everyone looks at Amira. (laughs)
1: yeah everyone looks in a mirror you know and this is actually not the first time i've i've i know i've known somebody who's done this kind of journaling with games i have a friend who is in a long-running etu game that just wrapped up and he had been journaling from his character's perspective from the beginning and i want to say that his google doc is like close to 100 pages long at this point. <laughs> and one of the folks in my uh, my personal group, he hasn't really shared his journal with the rest of the group. But I know that he's been journaling from his character's perspective since the start of the campaign. And this is a campaign we've been playing on and off since 2015. You know, so he's got this long record of his character's perspective on the stuff that's been happening in the game admittedly his perspective is a little wrong because he's essentially playing an angel on walkabout among the mortals (laughs) so it's a very different perspective but still it's it's an interesting aspect
2: to gaming i think one of the most interesting things about journaling kind of no matter how you engage it from a gaming perspective is that even if it's not something like field guide to memory which is you know, this was specifically built to create this really fantastic keepsake situation. No matter how you do it, you end up with that game artifact mm-hmm. that is all of that story and memory, which is just cool. <laughs> it's just not. It's. I'm trying to think of a better way to say that than like it's really nice to have, but like it it is. It gives you that touch point of all of the emotional experiences that you had playing through whatever that was. And the longer the game goes, the like more investment you have in those experiences and that character and the cooler it is to be able to like go back and have all that information. You know, I
1: think we as humans we need we sometimes need those touchstones mm-hmm. for memory. Yeah. You know, we need that thing. You know, like I'll fully admit, my artifacts from games are not pretty, but they're precious to me. Like yeah. I joke that in most of my D games I end up becoming the accountant. Because I keep track of, you know, like, what magic items did we get? Who has them? What's the gold? And, you know, like all this. And it's it's very mundane. It's not shiny or interesting to anyone else. But those notes that I keep for that are precious to me because I'd be like, oh, yeah, that's what happened in that time we played. And this is when we got this item. And, you know, it's like those memories, they, they help me, you know, keep that game kind of you know in my head yeah
0: or to tap into the zeitgeist right now what is a journal but a game persevering
1: (laughs) (laughs) my heart my heart (laughs) okay we we need to we need (sighs) to move we need to move on i think that's the point where we move on (laughs) <laughs> this show is funded by the gnome stew patreon you too can become a patreon backer by following the patreon link on the gnome stew website to the gnome stew patreon this ad is brought to you by the most perfect beautiful journal you will ever find the cover fits your soul and the paper feels like magic you know that this book could be gorgeous and hold all of your creativity but will you ever actually take a pen to the paper If you're enjoying the Gnomecast, you'll enjoy many of the other Misdirected Mark shows. Here's another one to check out.
0: Mastering Dungeons, RPG veterans and game designers, Teos Abadieh and Sean Merwin look at the game and hobby of D&D from a variety of viewpoints. Reporting the news, understanding the business, reviewing the products, and illuminating the design. Whether you're a fan, a player, a DM, or a designer, Sean and Teos cover the topics of interest for you.
1: You can find all of us at GnomeStew.com, at GnomeStew on Twitter, and GnomeStew on Facebook. Where else can we find you folks on the internet? Jared, go.
0: All right. Well, you can find my personal blog at com. You can find my Twitter at whatdoiknowjr. And if you'd like to hear my actual play podcast, you can find that on anchor.fm slash whatdoiknowjr.
2: Senda, go. <laughs> <laughs> You're better at branding than I am.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, so you can find me on Twitter. Named after one of my other old, old characters (laughs) (laughs) at Idella Mifflin, which is I-D-E-L-L-A-M-I-T-H-L-Y-N-N-D. You can also find me on my current podcast, Pandas Talking Games, which is Pandas Talk Games on Twitter, or my old podcast, which is no longer producing new episodes, but all of our backlog is still there and it's still really good, which is She's a Super Geek um yep yep nope that was it i think that was all the things i felt like there should be more no no, it. following jared i was like wait is there something am i missing usually at this point i say and i write articles for gnomes too but like that's sort of right here right now Yeah, we're already here
1: (laughs) and you can find me on twitter and instagram as orikes 13 o-r-i-k-e-s 13 though as always kind of silent on Twitter right now and Instagram is mostly cats. Oh my gosh, you know what's new though? TikTok.
2: (laughs) I have a TikTok now. What's your TikTok? (laughs) Idella (laughs) Mifflin. Because once you've committed, you just stick with it. You've already committed. You You just gotta go with it. If I changed it
1: up, it would be terrible. No one would ever find me. So, do you Think we avoided the stew this week? Well, I've been jotting down this
2: map in my journal that's supposed to be the way out of the bottom of the stew pot. So I guess we can see if it works. Let's try it.
0: And if we didn't, (laughs) I just need enough time to record my thoughts on impending doom. (laughs) Cool. Gnomecast is hosted by Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs.
1: Welcome to the (laughs) note. Sorry, I'm sorry. (laughs) It's okay. It's okay.
0: Professional.
2: I completely- Wait till you hear next Monday's episode. Like, I completely actually interrupted his intro. Like, I'm doing really bad recently. I don't know. I'm gonna shut up now.